Welcome to Saving Tomorrow's Planet with me, Jeremy Schwartz, the host of this podcast that seeks to find people from all around the world who are actually taking action to save the planet. Now, this episode is part two of our discussion with Jonathan Cove from the Philippines, and we focus now on how you can take recycled plastic and turn it into new products, how that's actually possible, some of the challenges that can be associated with that. But without further ado, let's get into the conversation. So let me let's get a bit technical here on this question, because I think um, I totally agree with your point, which is that a lot of products we could claim not are over-engineered in plastic, but are have a tremendous life. And that's why we use plastic, because it's, it's cheap, it's light, and it has great durability because it doesn't rust and so on. So give us a sense of the difference between a virgin plastic product and a recycled in terms of its performance. Because as you say, it may be it's completely good enough. You know, we don't need something a chair to last 10 years if most people really only use it for five. It'd be nice if it lasts for 10, but... That's just a long way out. What what might be a compromise that you we would experience, and then we can discuss. Does anybody notice that? Okay. In my experience, uh, the biggest I would say I, I wouldn't say it's it's a compromise. It depends on the situation, but it's weight. As a general idea, you want to make up for the fact that it's recycled, and not that recycled is bad, but technically, once you recycle it, the polymer has had a heat history. Yes, And just because of the processing of it, the polymer chain gets shorter and shorter. So in order to compensate for that, you well, we tend to make the product a little bit heavier just to have that safety factor. Right. Uh, but that being said, especially now with, with uh, consumers looking for more and more environmentally friendly products, and part of the meaning of that is recycle, the the uh, polyolefin industry and the chemical industry has really stepped up in providing a lot of these additives to uh, make up for those deficiencies. Now, I just want to say you've expressed it incredibly clearly that virgin material has longer chain molecules, which therefore brings strength and lightness. Recycled because you've had heat, those those chains have been broken into and you have shorter molecules, which therefore inherently as strong. Therefore, you've either got to make it thicker to compensate or add additives, which somehow again compensate for the fact that the, uh, the plastic isn't in its purest virgin and, and optimum state. That's very clear. And I hadn't understood that before quite like that. Let's talk about cost then. So, uh, you know, I'm on a really big uh, mission to challenge the assumption that something that's sustainable is therefore inherently more expensive. You know, I just do not accept that that should be a soundbite. It may be in some instances, but what we've seen with rights law and solar is that solar was in the outset 10 years ago more expensive, but now is cheaper, in fact, than other fossil fuels because the cost of manufacturing and the all the learning curve has been so great. So let's say with one of your products, how might a virgin product compare to one of your upcycles products from a pure cost sense, just to give a sense of it? So unfortunately... We're comparing it from, of course, virgin is always more expensive. Otherwise, oh. it doesn't. Uh, the, the virgin plastic is the most expensive in, in terms of ranking. Right? The second most expensive would be the post-consumer source. And the cheapest source is the industrial. Right. Uh, and currently, the reason for that is just because post-consumer uh, waste processing infrastructure. Yeah. Um, and because of the single stream waste management, there's a lot of added cost, right? 
you have to that sort it and then you have to clean it again. So that is an unnecessary cost in my opinion. Because if you think about it, uh, if you buy it from factory, uh, first of all, it's probably clean because it came from the factory, yeah. right? And number two, there's a lot of it because usually this is process waste. You know, startup, you start up a machine, there's waste. Yeah. You, you switch over from one product line to another, there's waste. And when you shut down the machine, there's waste. So it's pretty much clean, clean waste, right? Which is not the same for post-consumer, but therein lies the opportunity. Yeah. Because if you think about it, the moment you consume something, it's by itself, it's already sorted. So the key is to keep it sorted, right? The next thing is when you collect it, to keep it sorted as it goes through the, the waste management system. And and that's pretty much it. Uh, I quite actually. agree. But, so this explains something to me because I, I, I know that the post-industrial uh, product's cheapest because, as you said, it's a machine that's uh, started up. You've got a chunk of heavy plastic. It's not corrupted. You know exactly where it's from. That's obvious. I was surprised necessarily that you said the post-consumer is actually cheaper than virgins. Um, just it's, Again, it would sound obvious, but it, it uh, isn't perhaps the soundbite that's out there. So just explain that you're saying that literally a kilo of post-consumer waste that you get is in a is per kilo cheaper than the kilo of, of virgin plastic that you would buy um that you would buy just in a pure yes. right yes well first of all everything else being equal yeah uh, people would prefer the virgin plastic it's only recently that consumers that it was it's a selling point that it's made of recycled you know for yeah. the longest time uh, people would say, "Oh, it's made of recycled material. It it better be cheaper, you know, because yeah. it's it's inferior." But times have changed. Um, yes. Now with all the additives, and and you can engineer for that. Why is it cheaper? Frankly speaking, it's just the way the market has uh, developed. With the Virgin product, you've got a company that mined or, or extracted the oil. They process it. They've touched it, and they're making a profit. With the post-consumer, your the fundamental product is free that you're getting and then you, there's a number of steps to clean and process and so on but the actual yeah. original product is free and it's probably quite hard for the processors um, to quote put a margin on it probably would that be fair um i think to to some you know some of the the buyers uh, if not all of the buyers i mean they would quote the price right if the source accepts it or not it's really it's really up to them but again it doesn't help that the the waste is Dirty, yes. right? Because of the single stream. It, it, I agree with you that uh, probably the disparity should be less. But uh, in, in the Philippines, uh, that's just the way it has been. What we are aiming to do is to make sure that the uh, communities, the waste pickers, are able to extract as much value from it as possible. So there's no doubt that if you sell properly sorted and clean recyclable, you get a much higher price. Right. So that's where we are. As far as like the market price is concerned, I mean, it's an open market. Pricing is something that, that is determined by the junk shop or the recycler and validated by manufacturers like us. So yeah. this is the market we operate in. You know, it's so interesting. You know, when there's so many thoughts have been coming to mind. First of all, I went onto your website and saw, uh, or no, I think it was on TikTok, actually. I saw on TikTok, you got a bunch of videos showing how to clean and prepare uh, plastic to return and glass and you know i've never considered particularly that we could contribute to um 
at the product and the process by actually taking all the labels off ourselves. I mean, one thing you're just striking me with is I wonder if at all one could uh, imagine paying a consumer for super high quality, sorted, cleaned waste. And if they met a certain criteria, they actually could get not a lot of money, but perhaps a few pence as opposed to nothing. Uh, if they actually did do the sorting and the cleaning and the preparation that would be required. I mean, particularly in a country like the Philippines, perhaps, where, you know, those extra pennies might be really valued. But, you know, I, the, the education part that you were suggesting, and even for myself, as I've been talking to you, I've been thinking a lot about, wow, I probably need to have three types of bins in my home uh, just for the plastic. Um, and unfortunately, in Britain, they stopped in some councils asking one to separate glass and plastic and card. And I don't know why they did it, because it seemed so good that they'd got certain consumers or households to do the separation for them. I don't know why they then decided to mix it. But anyway, if one was to invent, um, you know, three containers for the home and say, right, this is the different types of plastic, if you sort it in that way, we're going to actually give you, you know, some money for it. Uh, I wonder if that would be viable or appealing, at least um, in a country like the Philippines. And not, of course, all of it, because you're a very advanced country, but in certain districts. What do you think? Absolutely. Uh, we have actually been doing that. We work ah. with uh, uh, villages and homeowners associations and urban poor communities and uh, pretty much offices. Uh, we work with anybody. Uh, what we and we work with uh, uh, NGOs and social uh, enterprises. We tell everybody at the end of the day, our role is the buyer, but we are a what we are a buyer with an advocacy. So we try to we would educate you. Um, we have uh, products that we uh, sometimes uh, give to them for free to get them started because sometimes they're so enthusiastic. So you just want to help them out. Yeah. So we, we have uh, our, our trash bins, we have our vertical sorting bins um, that we that we uh, essentially give to them. And uh, as long as they promise to do it properly, right? And then um, we tell people, ultimately, we are a buyer. You know, we have our budget. If it makes sense for you to supply to us, you think you can make a profit, then let's do some business. Right. Um, right. If not, if not, well, I'm sure that just by the fact that you have sorted it properly, the way the market is set up here in the country, there is probably a junk shop that would take, you know, your your sorted paper. So did you yeah. know, for example, with paper, uh, white paper is valued at multiples. I, last time I checked, it's yeah. like three times multiple of uh, other types of paper. So it, when you tell people that, call, the, the natural reaction is, I'm going to start sorting that way. And yeah. that is really what we want people to, to do. Like, did you know that if you only sort your plastic in this way, you know, you can make more money. And and by more money, for example, we're talking about like 3x, 4x, 5x differences yeah. in price. The best way to, to get people motivated is to incentivize them. Okay. Right? Monetarily, psychologically, or okay. otherwise. I've realized that, oh, there's a huge awareness gap, at least in, in the Philippines, that we work with a lot of groups to get that message out because we have to take care of both sides of the equation, the supply side and the demand side. We are a manufacturing and sales organization. So the, the demand side, we're used to. The supply side is what needs to be largely developed. So that's what we're doing. On the demand side, unfortunately, there's really not enough demand for the products that are made of post-consumer source recyclable right. materials. What we want to achieve really, Jeremy, is a plastic neutrality. Yeah. The, the amount of plastic that's being put out there is the amount of plastic that is being 
uh, cycled back into into the consumer system. Yeah. So we are a long way from that, but uh, I think it's we're, we're well on our way. But I think it is something that is worth doing. You know, I I, I just think it's important enough. Well, I think that may be a, a perfect place to finish it because it's been a fascinating discussion. I'm going to therefore ask you just one last question. Uh, I think you might have hinted at the answer, but if I was to give you a magic wand and something could change that would uh, make you smile and make you happy with this debate around sustainability and these opportunities, how would you use that magic wand at the moment? Uh, I'm going to give you a, a very serious <laughs> a good. very serious answer. Uh, several things. You really have to have a magic wand to do this. And several things. One, I think we have to eliminate this concept of greed and selfishness in our society. Because yeah. I think a lot of the, the problems, the ills we have in society is born out of uh, someone's grief. And it just so happens that those uh, people have a certain amount of power and sometimes a lot of power. Yep. That's one. We have a term in the Philippines, which I think, again, with the magic wand, I would like for people to have this term. It's called malasakit. Again, it's right. called malasakit. Uh, the loose English translation is care, but it's a different kind of care and concern. And I think that if more people cared about each other, cared more about their neighbors, and cared more about their general surrounding, and if you eliminate the greed, then you end up with collaboration. People just need to come together and, and think about what's best for each other. I think a lot of the, our problems can be solved by doing those two things. The last thing is um, education. I think people should have uh, good access to facts, good access to information. I think Neil deGrasse Tyson had this very interesting statement where you know people can have their own beliefs. It may not be factual and that's their right. Just don't put them in charge of anything. <laughs> so I, I think our leaders should be more science-based. They should be more fact-based. They should make decisions based on what, what is scientifically sound. And policy should be based on, on science. So I think those are some of the things I would do with my magic wand. Good. Well, it it's, it's clearly has to be rather a large one, but I'm in total agreement about all those sentiments. And uh, uh, we shall see if we ever get to there. But what we might hope is that we get a leader in one country or another who does express that and uh, is bold enough to take some of these actions that are needed. Jonathan, this has been highly informative, very enjoyable. And uh, you've actually given me tremendous ideas that I hadn't had before this conversation as to what's possible. So, you know, of course, number one, I wish you luck in all the things you're doing. And uh, you know, I'm going to keep a close eye and uh, we'll be connecting again, I'm sure, because I want to share some thoughts and, uh, and to hear yours too. But uh, thank you so much for giving me the time today. Jeremy, thank you so much for uh, having me today. Thank you for giving me a, uh, a platform abroad. Uh, to, to spread this message and uh, I look forward to working with you in whatever capacity uh, you think we can do something together well I hope you enjoyed that uh, conversation as much as I did I've certainly learned a tremendous amount which is what happens every time I find with these conversations and that's why they're so stimulating now please do support us in a number of ways go to our Instagram uh, page and uh, press likes if you like some of the content we're putting please also recommend us to your friends and uh, subscribe of course to this podcast and I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode <laughs>